Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a real treat for you guys tonight for everybody that's interested in like the secret space program stuff. I have the wife of Captain Mark Richards. Um, you probably heard the story on Carrie Cassidy. Um, you know, Carrie Cassidy went to see Doc, or Captain Mark Richards a couple times and got his story about, you know, what was going on with the secret space program and stuff like that. Well, I actually have the wife of Captain Mark Richards. I have Joanne Richards with me, but she's also written a book. So it's not just going to be about Captain Mark. It's going to be about her own paranormal and UFO experiences and her new book that's come out. So I'm, I'm, let me just read you her bio. Joanne Richards is a bookkeeper, mother, grandma, and happily married to set number seven after six rocky marriages her book midlife magic shares stories of lessons learned and offers hope that it's never too late to change our lives for the better she speaks about military involvement in ufos extraterrestrials and her own ufo and paranormal experiences and i want to give her a big warm welcome to the show joanne thank you for joining me how are you i'm well thank you for having me how are you i'm great thank you i'm, I'm excited Good. to talk to you about this i Heard, like I said, I heard the story about Captain Mark Richards on the Carrie Cassidy program, but for my audience members that Great. don't might not know about it, like, can you tell them a brief des description of how you met in, in his story? Sure. We met in 1997. I had already been visiting a friend at prison, you know, a couple of people. My roommate's husband was in prison visiting prison didn't scare me. She came home one day and said, hey, I met this really nice guy. He was visiting with his mom today. He's really smart. Would you like to meet him? And I said, smart, sure. Um, that intrigued me. And I said, sure. We started writing. Two months later, I was approved to visit. We visited in corners. And uh, after, after a while, you know, it wasn't right off the bat. I mean, I knew he was in a, from a military family, but I didn't know how weird, it, how weird his experiences were and what it all involved. I just said, oh, your dad was in the Air Force. That's great. Oh, you were in the Army. That's great. And, you know, maybe after a couple of years or so, or more than that, I don't know exactly when, um, he, I finally started finding out that he had been involved with space and aliens and UFOs and all kinds of, you know, weird sounding stuff. And it, it just went on from there. And he started writing reports and um, I formed a nonprofit and started sharing their reports with other people and going to UFO conferences and learning more and more and more. And, and here I am. And then I started having my own experiences. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. So there like, we are. Like I, I, to, to tell, tell people more about like what he was involved in, like how far does his family lineage go back in the secret space program? And how far did he get in the secret space program? Pretty far. Pretty far. His uh, grandfather on his mom's side was a Teddy Roosevelt rough rider and involved with Tesla on certain projects. Uh, and then, you know, he was one of the early Secret Service people, you know, when that started happening. And his grandfather on his dad's side ran uh, an electrical or electronics or electrical, you know, college or school and was involved with a lot of think tanks and was part of the Manhattan Project and was closely tied to, you know, probably a couple of presidents that 
at least one or two that I know of, I think. And his dad, and, and their, their lineage goes back to Germany and England primarily. And his dad was um, tasked to like go, because of their German heritage, one of the, the trips, you know, they wanted, before we got into the war, and I think even before Germany uh, invited Poland in 1939, um, they sent the dad to, to Europe and stuff. And, and I think the Germans wanted to, oh, <laughs> draft him basically, coerce him or influence him or entice him is the better word, entice him to, you know, come on over to their side, become a Nazi, you know, let us show you all the cool things we're developing. So, you know, he was in on secrets. You know, their, their family's always been in on secrets for a very long time. And Mark saw stuff as a toddler. His dad, when he was like two, his dad was stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. And his, he wrote a little story about his dad taking him to work one day. And you know they go down the big elevator shafts because all the cool stuff's underground apparently, or it was. And you know, he wrote a little, dictated a little story to his mom about saying little green men and all kinds of stuff. And, and I was like, oh, well, that, that's fascinating. And even you know, when he was seven, they moved to England from California. And he would often go to different bases with his dad, you know, because, you know, that was a cool thing to do. And his dad liked to test security at different bases. And one day he was at a base and his dad was in a meeting and he wandered away from the airmen who were supposed to be watching him. And his dad found him in this code room and he's going, you know, what are you doing in here? And, and Mark's going, well, they're talking about being on Mars and the moon right now. And this was like 1960, 1961. And it's like, it, it wasn't sometime in the future they were talking about. So I, I found that very cool. And then again, as a seven-year-old, um, there was a conference in England that was organized by, well, it was authorized by the prime minister and by President Kennedy and Mark's dad helped organize it. And it was hundreds of diplomats and military leaders and important people and then important delegates from their hundreds you know at least 100 alien species and mark got to go mark was one of the few children that was allowed to be there and he got to play with alien children he got to see all these species so he's been around all of this since he was a little kid basically yeah it's it seems like it's it's like it's it's so hard to believe because it's so it seems so unreal because it's so hidden from the public that it's like correct yeah it's so wow it's so out there like i've been a little bit skeptical on the secret space program it's not that i don't believe i believe it's just so right. hard for me because i don't see it you know what i mean because right Right. Like people they tell their stories and I'm like okay great that's you know but like you know like I, the, the whole story of Mark being incarcerated and like you know it just seemed weird you know like I know we can't really tie the government to it but maybe you can you know and like he, he I heard he was always off on these missions like you know and he had other companies to um to be like fronts for when he would go <laughs> off onto space and fight these missions right Right. So pretty much, I mean, and I've seen his dad's orders and I've seen several of Mark's military assignments and they all say top secret. And so if you need to be out of town, you know, and well, anyway, so part of his front, so the people didn't know what he was actually doing. His friends never knew what he was doing for the military and he would have businesses. He would have 
and he was a filmmaker from the time he was a teenager. So he started a film company because you know, he, he did things that he could do and be successful at. And then he, he was good at, you know, working on houses and construction, things like that. So he and a partner uh, started like a home remodeling or a home, re let's just say a home remodeling business, something like that. And so these were, I mean, they were actually doing the work. I mean, he actually worked on films and he actually worked on homes and things, but, and that was a cover because then you could get your, you know, if you needed to fly to New York, you know, you could go to New York and, and film your B-roll stuff, you know, all your aerial footage and your extra footage that maybe a TV show needed and then go do what you needed to do. So it was a perfect, perfect way to cover that you needed to be out of town for any length of time. That, yeah. And Sorry, the deep no. space program, oh, I was just going to say the deep space program that he was involved in. I mean, there is evidence that uh, his like great uncle Theodore Taylor and Freeman Dyson developed the Orion class space battleships. And Dyson's son wrote a whole book and there was a documentary about this through the BBC. So at least, you know, publicly, we know that that program was begun. The, the hidden truth is that they developed the Apollo program, which was real, but that was also a cover, you know, the civilian cover for the military using these other spacecraft that were actually used. And that program was not stopped like they want the public to believe. So the government is, is quite able to hide lots of things. Yeah, like where do you think they're going with Space Force? I mean, do you think that's just a front for the, <laughs> the ongoing secret space program or do you think they'll eventually merge the two? I, I think that that's probably the new name for maybe what it used to be called when Mark was involved because I don't, I don't know that it ever stopped. And, you know, if he were free, he would be running his, his, Admiral Nimitz and then his father ran an international and military intelligence agency called International Security, and it was formed in 1947 by the UN. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that if Mark were free, he would be running that now because his dad passed away in 1997. Um, so I don't think the secret space program, and, and apparently there's more than one and different countries have different ones, but the one Mark was involved and I'm sure it didn't totally die out, but maybe it did for a while, but you know, we've always needed it. The, this, the interaction with other species and the threats from other species has never stopped in my opinion. So we, we've always needed something. I think, you know, when they come out with these things publicly, it, it's probably because they feel the urgency to, you know, you know, if something's maybe going to happen or, you know, they might not be able to hide things for very much longer, they might need to put a public face and a name on it. So, yeah, I mean, because I'm like, glad we have it and I'm glad it's open. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because everybody's kind of like, uh, like, like hooting and hollering over this little bit of UFO disclosure that came out lately about ab abduction pregnancies and like, uh, people getting burnt by ufos i mean I, I think that's just stuff the government put out i think that's just like here just go with this and be, be happy everybody that we gave you this little crumb of information meanwhile there's this whole other thing running in the background like you're talking about with different species of extraterrestrials that we'll probably never meet in our lives right well there are some there are there are many government leaders and military leaders who have met many of them 
And I've heard about lots of them and I can't wait to meet them at some point. I, I think it would be really cool. There's some really cool sounding species out there and I can't wait to someday meet them. But you know, the need is there. And um, what was I gonna say? You know, well, we, we've I had alien species working with our military since definitely the early fifties. Yeah, I've heard you talk about the raptors. If you could tell the audience right. who they are, and then the reptilians are they both are allies or the because I've heard that in different interviews I've done that the reptilians are our enemies and that they're pretty dark, but then I've heard these raptors are kind of like the reptilians, but they're our friends. Is that is that the truth? Well, the, the thing is, the reptilian is like an umbrella. Is a name, it's the umbrella name for rep, several reptilian species, just like humanoid is, you know, there's several humanoid type alien species, but there's, you have the Dracos, you have the raptors, and you have the reptoids. Rep, raptors and reptoids originated on Earth as dinosaurs. The raptors still look like dinosaurs. They're very proud to be dinosaurs. And the reptoids evolved into a more human looking species and they walk upright versus the raptors who, you know, still walk like dinosaurs. Um, but, and like the Dracos and the reptoids are definitely our enemies. There's some other species that originated out in space that I don't know na their names and some of them are friendly. The raptors have been our allies since the early fifties and have been working with our military and human militaries since the early fifties. There are numerous, negative enemy reptilian species and other other negative alien species that do work with other governments the the reptoids are definitely working with russia in this you know war against the ukraine the reptoids have worked with other governments you know you, you get them to think you know that they'll be more powerful they 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 appeal to their greed and their need and desire for power and the reptoids are responsible for the most highest number of kidnappings, you know, of humans off from taking them off the planet. So we we definitely have enemies, and we definitely have species that are allies. And there's some lovely cat species. There's a lovely dog species. There's some really cool insect species. And there's some underwater oceanic species. Some are not our friends. Some are our friends. Wow. And Mark's told you about all this, right? Like he, he I, I've learned, I've learned about all of that from Mark and his experiences. Yes. Yeah. And like, he actually was in a battle in like 76, right? That like, took he's been in several battles and I, I know about a few of them. So in 1976, he was, uh, there were some alien forces that were coming through some dimensional portals over China to invade, invade. And at the same time, a big earthquake had been caused by some negative reptilians and uh, they were working with the Nazis that were in the Antarctic. They set off a big earthquake in China and a bunch, like, I don't know, thousands of humans were kidnapped and they were sitting in ships ready to go out to space. Well, you know, the, the intelligence community found out about this. Mark's dad and his troops were dealing with the this the enemy in the Antarctic, and Mark and his Mark was in charge of the air battle over China. 
Wow. That, that was one battle. The, the next year, there was another invasion attempt. So. Well, and then they're, they're, they're trying so, to... Yeah. The, Sorry, go ahead. I was saying the next year, 1977, there was another invasion attempt with reptoids. Yeah, that would be who it is. And another raptor lines that maybe weren't in agreement that, you know, raptors should be our friends. Um, and, and several species who were our enemies, they were coming to Earth. They destroyed a base that was on the moon. Uh, we had several Marines. Well, there was a whole, I don't know if it was a platoon. I don't know how big the group was, but we had a, a, huge, a group of Marines that were working on our a base at the moon. They were trying to like, you know, uh, renovate an old alien base so it would be suitable for, for our military to use. And we were in the process of getting a, a huge new telescope online. And that all got destroyed. Our Marines all got killed. This invasion fleet was coming to Earth. So then you had all the countries that come together with the, the secret space. You know, we didn't call it the secret, you know, secret space program back then, but international security. All these countries came together. You had other entities, other aliens coming together to help us to fight back the invasion, and they did. You know, we're we're still here, and we're not we're not slaves to the enemy aliens at this point. Yeah, and and just to let people know, they call him Captain Mark Richards because he was a captain in the Navy, right? He still is. So he still is a Navy captain. So they, he's still considered active, like even though he's incarcerated. I guess it's like honor, you know. An honor. Yeah. I don't think he's considered active, active. You know, I'm not. I'm not getting his paycheck. That's for sure. So, yeah. um, but he he is. You know, I guess he's basically retired. But you know, it's it's not a defunct. But he still has he still has communication with the military. He still knows what's going on. So that's interesting. So, I mean, he probably hears about all these like 20 and back programs, supposedly. Like, I don't know when we got that technology. And then supposedly we have this looking glass technology that both sides. Um, he, he knows about that. He, he can't, he won't talk to me about that. So maybe if that was US military, he can't tell me about it. Yeah. So I get I get the look saying, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes, it's true or yes, it's real. But I can't tell you so yeah, most of the stuff. He, he can't tell me anything that was U.S. military related that he was involved with. So he was probably involved with that. But he can't tell me. Yeah, because I, I mean, like, like, he can't tell me about Mars either. Yeah, it, it seems it's so weird. I mean, what one funny thing that, that I thought was interesting is you said that in another interview, I heard you say that we have these like UN places in the galaxy. They're like for alien species and us to like come together. Like they have like uh, nightclub type places for aliens and like, like. Like in, that was in Star Wars, right? Yeah, there are places like that. And even like in the movie Men in Black, those kind, that's the UN thing I'm thinking of where species are coming and going. Like they showed in Men in Black, we do have those here on Earth, and he had told me about a particular building in England, and he said, you know, look that up. That that used to be one of those like UN type buildings. They 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 use something else now, but you know, it's there in plain sight. Just people don't know about it because you know the aliens can 
come and go and you know a lot of stuff's gone underground or you come through a dimensional portal or you know or you can't see what's being you know what's landing or england is a great place for being able to hide things yeah things are especially if like you want to have a conference a lot of things you know if you're at a manor house or the aliens want to stay at a manor house or need to you need to you need to lodge several alien species for a conference a lot of these estates and manor houses, like the driveway is like way, you know, a long, long driveway way away from the road. And you can't see what's going on at the house way back there. No. Yeah. Um, now, I was saying like we, we were I, I know about all the other secret space programs. Like I've heard about the German secret space program. Right. Called the Nachtwaffen. And then, you know, I've heard China has a secret space program. I know Michael Salas wrote about that. And I mean, it's just becoming a really big thing right now in like the UFO industry space program. Like, but I I wonder how much of it is we're being fed and how much of it's real. I mean, that's what's hard to discern because some there's always disinformation put out. You know what I mean? And I know I'm correct. But what do you think? Like it's interesting because I I always thought it was just like one big secret space program. And thankfully, going to different conferences and hearing different speakers, it's like I've learned, well, there are more than one. And, you know, I didn't know until, you know, as I stay involved with this, I didn't know, okay, Germany's got a program, China's got a program. I knew when Mark was involved before prison, the deep space fleet that he used to fly, you know, part one of the ships in that, um, you know, different, there were nine main battleships and the US built and funded two of them. Well, you had China and Japan and France and Germany, other countries and different big corporations funded and the building and the the building and the supplying of these ships. So especially when Mark was active, you had different countries coming together to you know work and be part of this fleet and and the the unified the unified program but you know he's he's basically been out of the out of this the big scene you know for almost 40 years so you know i i have no problem with thinking that there's been all kinds of secret space programs develop yeah um what i was going to say was uh the government even came out with like uh information that they're studying wormholes and stargates i mean they're 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 good studying them but i i think they're doing more i think they probably have access to them at this point i, w- I would say we easily do yes we probably i mean I, I don't know if we easily do i mean the raptors certainly have the raptors have really fabulous technology and are really adept at using wormhole for travel and, and whatever mark has traveled through wormholes and you know you have to connect them to a dimensional portal and I don't know how, I don't know how good we are here on Earth to, you know, say that we're totally capable, or if we're using it in conjunction with other groups. But, you know, we certainly, especially when Mark's been working with other species altogether, you know, like he's he's traveled through wormholes. He said it feels really weird, but it, it, it is possible, and that's how some species get here much faster than other species, because they do, and not all species have the capability to travel through wormholes. Some have to come the old-fashioned way, and it takes a long time to get here. 
do you do you do you ever wonder if I always wonder this if there was like a, a stargate or wormhole in Iraq and that's why we went there yes there are several in that part of the world and that's definitely there's one there's a huge one in Iran there's there's numerous ones throughout Afghanistan and Iraq so yes def, definitely and they're not always there they're not always active but that's how you know that's that's why we had to go there that's why you know we had to use 911 as an excuse to go there and that's why the fighting kept i think we it the afghanistan part ended a lot sooner than we thought it would because we i think we controlled it and then it moved over to iraq but you know that that is the main problem you know, that's, that's you know syria several years back you, you had the reptoids you know, stirring up the pot there. And I don't, I can't swear that there's a portal there, but I mean, numerous places, Vietnam, there's a portal, at least one or more, you know, there's, there's portals all over the, the world, whether they're always there or not, because sometimes they're stable and, you know, and, and so different human and non-human groups, they're vying for control of that. Because if you can control a huge portal, you can get ships and troops and you can invade the planet. Yeah. Now, and that's I'm, what they like. They want to do. I'm sorry, but I was wondering what Mark had to say about um, grays and abductions. Like, if the grays work for the reptoids, or if uh, if they're working for the reptilians, or, or I know reptilians is a like a blanket state right. for bigger. But I mean, like, it seems like these abductions are very negative. I mean, I've had people that come on my show and they they say they're positive. They have contact with Zeta grays, and they say they're I, I just had someone on the other day, they said they're positive, but like when they're taking like DNA from people, you know, and that seems like it's been proven over time that that's happened. Like, you know, like it's not, there are different, there are different types of grays. There's, I, I think he told me once that there's at least six different types. Some work with the negative or our enemy species, some work with our military. So they, I think some are positive and some are not positive. There are groups that help facilitate large numbers of abductions. And sometimes the, because the greys are sterile beings, most, well, all aliens and humans are all worried about each other's germs because that could kill us faster than anything else. Um, so the, the greys are used a lot for translating between species and also a germ-free, you know, they, they will abduct and they'll, what do I want to say? I'm having trouble finding my words today, sorry. They are an intermediary or they, you know, they are the, the person or the, the being who will kidnap them and, and help market them off to, you know, they, they, they're for hire. <laughs> yeah, well, what I was going to say was, um, I mean, have you ever thought like, and this, you can speculate, it's fine, because we're just bullshitting. But and they're like not all gray. <laughs> Some of them, some of them are their colors, but sorry. But like, I was wondering, like, what are they doing with all this DNA? And I keep asking people this over time. People have different, like, because that, you know, they've been taking DNA from people for years. And it makes me a little bit worried because like, um, if there's hybrids somewhere, there has to be a whole planet worth of hybrids right now. And I, I wonder if those are, you know, some poor people's kids that are like slaves in some other country, like, you know, or God forbid, if they are, or, or, or if they're doing that to populate a planet because they're afraid that, 
humans will blow ourselves up with nuclear weapons. I mean, I've heard that too. But what, what are your thoughts on as far as like if there's hybrids and like that whole program? Did you ever get into that at all? Um, well, Mark and I don't talk about that a lot. And, you know, I, I, I do know that um, sometimes, so two, two parts here. Sometimes an alien species, they've lost their own ability to reproduce, probably from environmental circumstances, you know, on their planet. And so they will often kidnap females to use as a substitute womb. You know, they'll impregnate the female so they can have more of their own species. Okay, that's, that's one reason that the women get kidnapped. Um, I know friends here on earth who swear that they, they have been used and have their own hybrid children. They're not, they don't live with them. They're not here. It's not like they see them regularly, but they know that they've been used and, and they have hybrid children. And, and most of the ones that I've heard speak, you know, some of my friends that speak about that do speak of it as a very positive experience. I, I know abductions is not always positive for a lot of people. I've heard the other side too. Um, but I don't know necessarily why they're just collecting the DNA per se. So, yeah, it's always interested me, you know, now yeah. I want a chance for trans transition, excuse me, over to you. No, it's okay. You've written a new book and you've also had some UFO and paranormal experiences yourself. Do you want to first tell everybody I have. about your book and, and then we can get into your experiences after that? Sure. Uh, my book is called Midlife Magic because I met Mark in my 40s so that, you know, and I'm almost 70 now. So it's kind of, I figured, you know, in my, in my middle age, uh, my life changed. I, I left the Mormon church. I'd already been married six unhappy. I'd had six unhappy marriages. So things dramatically changed for me in my midlife. And I, I took on a new spiritual path and started learning about all these cool things that I totally embrace and love now. And then over the years, I have had my own, I'd had some paranormal experiences way back when I was a Mormon and one of my husbands was a funeral director. So at a couple of funerals, I, I was there either singing or just being there with him and I could feel the spirit of the dead person. So that was really cool. Um, my UFO experiences, obviously, well, not obviously, they didn't happen until after I'd met Mark and been involved with this for several years, but Sometimes I'll, it's usually when I'm out of town, one time I was visiting some friends in Phoenix and we were out walking at night and, you know, we were one night, nothing happened. The next night we're just walking in a different neighborhood and I'm going, oh, ladies look up and there's this quote unquote star just kind of throbbing, you know, going on and, or off and on. I don't think that's a star. I think it's somebody's telling us hello. And they, they both agreed with me. So that was pretty cool. And, and then I've been in England several times. And one of the times I was out at night with a couple of friends and we were on this ridge top and kind of overlooking a valley, whatever. And the stars were just starting to come out. And all of a sudden there's this quote unquote star just kind of move. It moved. You could see it move horizontally and then vertically. It's like, okay, I don't think that's a star. And they, they both agreed. I've been, I've been on a few sky watches with other UFO enthusiasts, people I know, we've either with a group or at a conference or whatever. And, and we've seen things through night vision goggles or, you know, somebody had the night vision goggles and they, showed things on a video camera but I mean I've been at one of these sky watches and I wasn't near the camera 
and there was a very slow moving shooting star. And then it happened again. I go, I don't think that was a shooting star. And one of the times I went to see Mark, because um, we have a house in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he was housed um, near Sacramento at the time. So I had to leave early in the morning when I was going to go see him. And I'm driving along the two-lane highway, and it's early morning, and bright as day, well, very bright, in, you know, above me and ahead of me, there was this huge, be uh, huge thing, and it was really bright light, like it was going to be a star, but it was even closer than you would think a star was. And then all of a sudden it was dark and then it was bright again. And it just kept going on and off. I'm going, okay, Mark, I think your friends were saying hello again. And you know, the, their ship was cloaking and not cloaking. And it was so cool. I just loved it. And then a couple of years ago, I was, um, every few months, we were allowed to have two days together in an apartment at the prison. So a couple of years ago, oh, that's really when, nice that they let you do that. I didn't know that. Well, they they cool. didn't used to for lifers until a, just a few years ago. So you know, when we first got married, we hadn't we weren't able to do that. But now now we're ha we're able to do that. And so a couple of years ago, when it it was our anniversary and my sixty fifth birthday. Uh, he had to go out to the, the outer patio door and let the guards count him and make sure he was still there and still alive and whatever. And, and then it was 9.30 at night and he says, come out on the patio. And I was like, what? You know? And so I'm, he goes, look up. And there is like the hugest triangular craft slowly going past us above the, you know, there's a, the patio is covered by a huge steel screen thing. And there, Plain as day, there's this triangular craft with red lights on it, and I could hear the whoof, whoof, whoof. And it's like, okay, I don't think that's one of ours, is it? He goes, no. And and it was really low, like 1,000 to 1,500 feet above us. So you you couldn't miss it. You just couldn't miss it. But And it was so exciting for me. And then it looped around and came back again so I wouldn't miss it. So I saw it twice and like, that's the best birthday present I've ever had. So, so that was, you know, I can say I, I've had, definitely had my own UFO experiences. So, so that's really cool. And, and with the paranormal, I've been on um, the USS Hornet in, in Alameda. It's, it's an aircraft carrier. It used to be a very active aircraft carrier. It's had just normal Navy stuff on it and it's had some alien activity on it. But I've been there and a lot of ghosts like to hang out there, whether they were stationed on the ship or not. Um, so it is famous for its ghost activity. But I've been there sometimes with tourists are there, sometimes with a docent when there's no tourists. And she was a psychic. So we got a lot of ghost activity. But that's I you know, it's like I'm walking up a ladder and she went into the other room and it's like there's somebody's spirit like peeking out from behind a column to say hello. And it was I don't see them how they look like in life. I can see like the gray shadow form of them, but I, you know, I can feel it and I, I can see the shadow and it's like, and I just said, you know, hello. You know, it, it wasn't scary. It wasn't like they were trying to threaten me or anything. So I've seen several spirits on that ship and I've taken pictures where I, I can feel that, okay, some spirits are over there and I used to take pictures with a 35 millimeter camera before digital. And so then when you get the film back, it's like, oh yeah, asthma looking distortion from the energy. And I mean, I didn't cut an image because his dad and Mark had both been on that ship for various reasons. So I even caught an image of 
that I know was his dad. And I've felt his dad there on the ship when I've been there. So that's pretty cool. But I have this fabulous picture of his dad, like standing next to one of his planes with his flight goggles. Like, I don't know if they were on or if they were in his hand, but it's like, I, I knew this ghost picture when I took it was his dad. And it's like, okay, this is really exciting. That's so, right. And I've been in England. Yeah, I've been in England for at various historical places and with a, another psychic friend. And we're always running into spirits. And, and sometimes they're friendly and sometimes they're not, but we've had some great experiences. You know what? I'm trying to figure out this whole spirit world. I just, like I told you before this show, I interviewed two ladies who run an old haunted jail and they get spirit activity all the time. People get touched, scratched, they get EVPs. It seems like these spirits want to communicate with us. If they, It seems like we have to be on the right frequency and they, we have to like match their frequency somehow, maybe. And uh, there's a guy I interviewed, his name is Mark. Um, they call him the psychic lawyer. Um, he wrote a book called The Afterlife Frequency about like how we can communicate with our loved ones when they pass. And I just think that's so interesting because like, yeah, I've never had, I've had a, a, what I would call a small paranormal experience when I was a kid, but I've never had contact with a spirit. You know, I've never seen a UFO. So that, I guess that's kind of like my quest why I interview people because I want to experience these things. Like I want to, I want to um, go to a haunted place and I want to interact with spirits. Just so, I mean, like I, I, I try to have out of body experiences out of, all the time to like, uh -huh. if I can test my consciousness to see you know if it's if it's if it's real right like if something exists outside this meat suit that we live in like you know like i don't know it's just uh, where, where do you live i live in pittsburgh okay so if you're on the east coast there's various naval stations and a lot of them i think have well especially i think norfolk but there's different naval stations that have like a restored ship of you know maybe a battleship maybe an aircraft it's now a museum i bet you if you would go you know pick one that's closest to you and and walk around maybe not on the tour um and sometimes if you're if you go down a hallway and, and it feels really cold or sometimes you just feel like something's like bumping up against you that that's an experience also you know that that's thinking, you know where else gettysburg because I, I don't live near gettysburg but it's, oh yeah they, they i've heard a lot of crazy things about gettysburg would you agree I, I would, I, I bet you if you went there and, and if you just said to the universe, it's like, I, you know, if anybody wants to let me know that they're here, you know, you might not see them like they looked like back, you know, when there was a battle there, but you might feel them. And I'm sure, cause sometimes they just hang around and sometimes they don't know how to cross over. My psychic friend in England, she knows how to help them cross over and she does see them how they look like when they were alive. And so that that's cool because I can feel them and I can see the shadowy stuff. And so we have together, we're like this wonderful package. But um, but I bet you, you know, if you just went with the intent to say, I would, you know, if anybody wants to just let me know they're here, that doesn't mean you're going to hear a voice necessarily because I don't hear the voices. But um if you went with good intent, I'm sure that somebody would make their presence known to you and it wouldn't have to be scary. Yeah. You so. know what else I wanted to ask you about? I wanted to get you see if Mark talked ever about the Anunnaki or if you ever got into that. I love this story of the Anunnaki and like not even just Zachariah Sitchin because there was other people who, um, 
you know, translated those tablets. And I had a guy on my show who was actually, he was from the Mormon faith. And he was like, this Anunnaki stuff and aliens coming to, you know, early civilization, it sounds a lot like the Mormon faith because supposedly the founder of the Mormon church was out somewhere and he was contacted by some alien being and he, they gave him writing on a gold bar. Is that right? Thank you for saying that. Okay. But in the church, that's not how it's taught in the church. Joseph Smith, we're taught that because I like I was a Mormon for a long time. The church teaches that more, uh, Joseph Smith was contacted by angels and Jesus and God. And then this angel gave him these gold tablets. Well, you know, once I was leaving the Mormon church and Mark and I got to talking, he was the first person who brought up the idea that, well, Joseph Smith was probably talking to aliens. And, you know, when people think they're talking to God, they're probably talking to an alien. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. And the, the, the one thing I do bring up a lot, is like all these leaders from major churches know all about the aliens oh, and yeah. they help, they help the military. I mean, Mark's worked with key Mormon leaders who, you know, and, and military people through the Mormon church that helped with alien issues. You know, he's, he's, he's used to have access to the Vatican archives and he would deal with and meet with you know, cardinals, whoever it was that would be in charge of, you know, collecting and saving the alien debris that they would find and then saving the Vatican archives. So, you know, and the the, the Catholic Church has at least two observatories. Yeah. So the, the churches... They have that telescope you know, they call Lucifer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's up with that? And right? they, you know, they, they're, they're very interested in what's going on, you know, so... It, it's it's very interesting. Well, the so. guy who told me that about Joseph Smith was his name. You can look him up on Facebook. He 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 likes to have good conversations. His name is Donnie Buswell. The okay. And um, he was an ex-Mormon too, and he left the church, and now he restores old cars. But he loves the story of the Anunnaki, and he used to follow a, an author that died. His name was Gerald Clark, that we were both very fond of. And, okay. Uh, and did you know Gerald? Gerald Clark. Yeah. No. no. Uh, okay. I mean, well, he wrote the book called The Anunnaki of Nibiru. And he was, uh, he, but he was really, he always sort of talked about the holographic universe and consciousness and all this stuff. Well, I met Donnie through him because Donnie was actually an Iraqi soldier who oh, wow. got to go to the old school Babylon where supposedly Saddam Hussein was restoring it. And the, it was made out of lapis lazuli. He told me, you know, oh, like, wow. I have a lapis lazuli stone here. I got it at a UFO conference the other day. Like I got it because of that reason, because I love those old stories of the, the Anunnaki and, you know, that they possibly might've came here and genetically modified humans. I mean, it's such a bizarre story, but there's some truth to it. If you read the tablets, have you, have you ever looked into I, it? I have not. Well, no, it's like, and I have some friends there. They live in Hawaii, but Sasha Lesson and oh, Janet. Yeah, I've interviewed them. Jan and Janet. Okay, good. So, so he he is very knowledgeable about the Anunnaki. Mark hasn't really. Mark included some information about the Anunnaki in one of his larger reports about stuff going on in Iran. In anyway, in Iran and a conference that was happening there in the early seventies. But he's never. We've never really had a big discussion on them. I I don't know what he really thinks about them. Um, but uh, and I will say, in in when that conference happened in 1971, it was another human alien treaty conference, and it took place in Iran in October. And by then, Mark was a young adult, and he was working for the UN Security Forces. And before the conference happened, 
there was a lovely cat species that, you know, lots of species came to it, but um, this friend of his, he's friends with this really cool cat species and they look like panthers and they walk upright. Well, they're scientists and archeologists and artists and, and they're you know, highly educated, but this one Contessa, Contessa Leona logical digs to try and figure out like, where did her species, where had they been before here on earth? You know, maybe where they visited, where they stayed and stuff. And before that conference, one of her jobs was to do more research about, because there had, in 1971, uh, there were at least nine alien species who said, oh, we created humans, we created humans, oh no, we created the humans. And so we should be God of the earth and we should be controlling the earth and stuff. She came to the conclusion that no one alien species created us. Several species have helped us thrive and they've helped enhance us. But her, her research concluded that no one species created us. And that was this cat species that told you that, or told Mark that, right? Well, she, she told the whole conference that, that oh, she presented, okay. she presented yeah. that evidence. She found right. evidence. And because Mark hasn't finished writing that report, he got kind of waylaid with COVID and everything for some of his writing projects. But so I don't have the end of that report, but I, but I do know that that's, she did present that. Well, this may sound like a simple question, but do you think these cat species and dog species, do you think they left their, their some of their kind here? Like, like, is that why we have dogs and cats as pets? Like, did they leave a, a part of their species here to befriend us? Like, it, oh, that's a good question. I don't know exactly because the panther species, I mean, they're huge. So I, I don't know exactly the dog species. And clearly they did come from other planets. And there's another. There's another species that Mark met in 1979. Um, they're lovely. But, and the dog species, their whole, and they've been visiting the earth for thousands of years. Their whole mission at the moment is to buy commodities and export them out into space. They're very friendly. They don't kidnap humans. They won't be involved with any species that's kidnapping humans. They won't transport kidnapped humans. They You buy luxury items and sell them to species out in space because the other aliens love bling and they love chocolate and you know cool cool, awesome. cool silks and jewelry. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I know it's it's out there, it's outlandish, but you know, well, I the, love the it. Aliens have always like gold, you know, the Anunnaki supposedly came here for gold. So I don't find it too far off. There's something about gold. I mean, the astronauts use it for their spaceships, right? It's a, it's, it's so gold is so precious. I mean, we could spray it up in our atmosphere and, and fix our ozone problems. It's a, it's, it's, oh. it's you know, if you find, if, okay, for, for example, if you, if you go in the ocean and you find a tre treasure, a shipwreck, right? All the copper and all the other shit's going to be you know, beat down, but the gold will still from a from an old shipwreck. It'll still exist like it did that day, and that gold never I deteriorates, so. right? So that's why I can see why they would want gold. I think. Well, and, I and on a reverse of that, that's one of the one of the reasons why the aliens don't want us out in space because a lot of them have mining operations because there's all kinds of valuable things in asteroids and moons and rings and things, and and they're already mining those things, so they don't want us out there horning in on their treasures. You, Terry Lovelace, the author of the, I, I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying to Linda Moulton how he was on my show, but he, oh, cool. but he, he was on Linda Moulton how, and he was saying that they're mining the moon for helium three or something, or he said, there's something I, really rare on the moon. That oh, our, our moon. Yeah. Our moon. Oh, okay. I don't know. 
I, I know that other species mine, you know, other planets' moons and rings around other planets and different asteroids and stuff, but I don't know what, and I, I have no doubt that they're probably mining stuff on our moon. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So, all I know is there are species on the side of the moon that we can't see. There's bases there, but Mark doesn't get into a lot of details. Now, what does he say about, I know we talked about the moon, but what does he say about Mars? Like, because, I mean, from the images that NASA shows us, it seems like pretty inhabitable. It seems like it, there, there was maybe once radiation there, and they try to explain that with science, but I think maybe there was a war there or something. What, what has he said about I, that? I would imagine there probably was a war because he, he will not talk about Mars, probably, well, not probably, probably, well, probably because he, he would have been there in a U.S. military capacity, so he can't talk about it. He, he can and will tell me that um, yes, there are bases there. Yes, there are probably humans there. Yes, there are most likely reptilian bases there. Um, he, he agrees with, you know, the very strong likelihood that those things are there. He just can't and won't talk about it. But I get a look on his face at saying, yes, you're, you're telling the truth, but I can't t tell you anything more. Now, one question I have, I think this sure. is really important for the audience is, does he ever say anything about, are there breakaway civilizations because of cataclysms on the earth? Has he ever talked about that? Ooh. Because, you know, like not, not in, I don't think he, he, he calls them that, but he has said, you know, that there, there's so many humans that have been kidnapped and, you know, taken off planet for bad things. And sometimes friendly species will rescue humans. So there's a lot of humans, you know, humans from Earth that are sitting out in other planets and places because they can't come back. Um, so if you want to call that a breakaway civilization, okay. But um, but I I don't I I can't I don't can't confirm that you know we've had a group of humans that have left the planet to go colonize something. I don't know. Well, what's interesting about that is that missing 411, like, you know, like the David Polides does where people go missing in national parks. And I talk about mm -hmm. this on my show all the time. It's like people just drop off the face of the earth. And I was thinking that has to be aliens, like, because I yeah. mean, it'll be like a guy will be walking with his son and then he'll turn around and his son's not there. And he'll be like, and they tell the story. I'll be like, I don't know where he went. I mean, you know, and it's just, I feel so bad for these people. And like, sometimes they'll find the people dead, but most of the time they just disappear off the face of the earth. And especially up in Alaska too. It's not just the U.S. state parks. It's in Alaska. They have a lot of missing people. I mean, I don't know. And a lot, sometimes a lot of them are indigenous, you know, um, I don't know where all these people are going. Do you think that's extraterrestrial involved? If you, I, 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 it probably, probably a lot of it is because sometimes, and I know, again, this sounds a little outlandish, but many species like to come here for vacation and <laughs> we're not, we're not supposed to see them. And so they might need to do away with us if we accidentally see them, you know, they may be hiking the Grand Canyon and I'm over here and it's like, oh my gosh, now you've just seen me and you're not supposed to see me. And, you know, that may be one thing. And then an another interesting thing, you know, we've been talking about the secret space program. A lot of times we hear that, oh, so-and-so in the Navy or the Air Force, they've had a training accident or, you know, they've gotten killed or they've committed suicide or whatever. It's like, a lot of times those military personnel 
have been recruited for the secret space program. They're not dead. There was no training accident. You know, maybe their helicopter blew up, but they were not on it. So yeah, they do. And then I mean, like, so let me, I guess, to sum all this up and to conclude everything, where do you see everything going as far as like disclosure, uh, like what we might end up ever knowing and where okay, I, I can tell you, I, I have a strong opinion about that. It's like, okay, right now, like I said, the war in Ukraine, the reptoids are backing Putin on that. If, if that doesn't, if it, it might, this is my opinion, you know, I'm, if things don't calm down naturally, and if, for example, our raptor friends or another alien, you know, friendly species that's our ally. If some, if our friends have to come in and help us, it's not going to be unseen. Okay. It will be messy and nasty, and you can't hide that because there's cameras everywhere nowadays. But so you just you can't hide that. So there are many species who would like disclosure. And COVID slowed that down. And then you've got all these, you know, problems popping up because obviously there's certain certain enemy species that don't want disclosure. There are many species, on a good note, there are many species who do want friendly disclosure and they would like to work openly with us and not just with the military. You know, I always tell people, it's like, I want to have a big piece of property where our friends can just land or you know, pop in for tea and, you know, we can have aliens and humans alike just sitting around discussing one another's culture and, you know, background and stuff. I want it to be friendly. I want to be like the men in black movie at that UN building. But sometimes if it, if it comes too soon, it won't be pretty, which is the sad thing. So yeah. let's hope the war in Ukraine ends peacefully. Yeah. Well, I, that was, <clears throat> that was really well said. And, uh, Thank I you. want to thank you. This was uh this was really fun and uh oh, good. great show. And I'm gonna I'll send you a link when I post it. I'm gonna try to great. upload it tonight. And I will share the heck out of it. <laughs> All right, and thank thank you. It was really nice. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great. Right. Have a good night. You too. Take care. All right, bye.